Welcome to You Might Hate This Book, where each episode one of us will recommend a book to the other. A book that we love that we suspect our co-host might hate. Well, hate is a strong word. How about falls outside of their traditional scope of interest. Fine, that's fair. A book they would never have chosen to read otherwise. We'll read the assigned book, then come back together to discuss. Did you love it? Or did you hate it? So you agree we might hate it. (sighs) Yeah, you might hate it. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Hannah. And you might hate this book. Welcome to our bonus episode. Bonus, bonus, bonus. Woo! Um, so for this month, for our topical bonus episode, we decided to do a thing that we had mentioned a long time ago. A long time ago. It was one of our first, like, ooh, we should do a bonus episode and watch Sense of an Ending, yes. the movie. Yes, and that is what we did. Yeah. <laughs> We've read a lot of books that have been made into movies since yeah, then. Yeah, and we had, we decided... That we were going to go with the original idea, yep. Sense of an Ending. Yep. Um, since it's the summer, we had the time, so we watched the movie. So a little bit about the movie. Um, it was produced by BBC Films in 2017, um, directed by Ritesh Batra and written by Nick Payne. I don't know who those people are. Nope, but they're, they're probably... got to give them credit. Credit yep. where credit's due. But it doesn't seem like Julian Barnes actually wrote the screenplay or anything. Yeah, it doesn't have him listed as a producer or anything, so I guess he just... Which I find interesting. Yeah. We'll, we'll get into that later. Do you want to say anything else about the movie before we get into it? No. I'd love to hear what questions you have and... Okay, I have... We, ta- we tried not to talk too much about it when we were watching it. But we definitely had each other's reactions. But my one question I wanted to ask you as soon as we finished watching it that I refrained from until now, is the book better than the movie or the movie better than the book? The movie is better than the book. Okay. Definitely. <laughs> I I would like to know how it reads as a movie to someone who has not read the book. Yes. It's hard. I can't unknow what I know, you right. know? Right. But I way enjoyed the movie more than the book. I enjoyed it as much as, I yeah. will say. I definitely thought it was more entertaining, but I also knew things. So, yeah, we'll have to we'll have to make other people watch it who haven't read the right. book. So, in light of that, how true to the book did you feel like it was? Because you've read the book more recently than I have. I thought it was true to the book as far as, like, did this happen? Did this person say this? You know, the, right. f- the facts were correct. But it, ha- it felt like it had a different focus. I I agree. What what do you mean? So in the book, it felt like it focused a lot on the group of schoolboys mm-hmm. and their little clique, and more about like what they were like in their public school days. The movie focused a lot more on his family, the current timeline, Tony, his relationship with his ex-wife. The daughter was, like, mentioned in passing in the book. She had a whole, like, story arc arc in the movie. And I think I preferred that, even though I really did like getting to know the, Mm -hmm. the boys and their, like... Bougie toitiness. Yeah, yeah. They're bougie quirks. Um, I thought it was interesting that the movie decided to focus on his family now. The present. Ra- yeah, mm-hmm. rather than his school friends then. I, would... I, I agree. I, I definitely got that feeling that it focused more on the now. And I wonder if that was intended all along or if that had something to do with casting. 
-hmm. Because the big name that got cast was Jim Broadbent as older Tony. Yeah. Um, If you don't know him, the way I know him the best is he's Professor Slughorn in the Harry Potter movies. (laughs) I really had to work on unhearing that while we were watching it. So he's a big name actor, and I don't know if that's why they took that route or if they already were going to. Yeah. I mean, nothing was like super inaccurate from the book. It just seemed to have a different focus point. Well, it's not a long book. No. So a lot of, so those were my other two questions. Whenever I watch a movie that's based on a book is what was added and was it a good addition or not? And then what was deleted and was that a good decision or not? The whole story arc with the daughter Mm -hmm. was added. As far as I know, the book really was just like, he has a daughter. She exists. <laughs> the end. Um, and in the movie, she she decided to have a child on her own. It's yes. certainly implied that she did, like, a sperm donor and IVF. Yes. And so she's going to, like, birthing classes, and at some point in time she gives birth. And in so movie, Tony right. and his ex-wife, you know, show up and all this stuff. All of that was added. But I felt like it really played into the kind of person Tony is now. While yes. in the book it was just, like, navel-gazing, yes. which you cannot watch. Like, you can read navel-gazing. It doesn't work as If well. you want to. Um, but, yeah, what would he have been doing on screen if, in the present. Yeah, if not for them changing that, because mm-hmm. the book doesn't have anything that he does. I cannot think of a thing that he does. No. <laughs> so, Other than follow Veronica, yeah, which yeah. also happens in the movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought it was really interesting. His stage directions would have been sit and think. Like, <laughs> which is boring to watch, even if it's interesting to read for some. It definitely added some things, and as soon as, like, I saw that his daughter was played by Michelle Dougherty yeah. of Downton Abbey. I was like, oh, well, this is obviously going to be a bigger part yeah. than in the book. It stayed true to the book. Mm-hmm. Like, there were scenes that shot for shot felt like exactly what I remembered of the book, but yet it did add more to the book because it's a slim book. Yeah. And I think, I think for somebody who liked the book, it was a really good adaptation, and I liked the addition. Yeah. I loved his ex-wife, Margaret. Oh, my goodness. Those were the best scenes. They were great. If I ever have to be divorced, I hope I'm divorced like them. Yes. They were the best. Harriet Walter plays um, Margaret, and they were just... Per- their, their dialogue was so natural and so real, and... They were perfect best uh, friends. The pe- Like... This is now entirely platonic. We're not married or romantically involved no. in any way. But I also lived with you for, you know, a couple decades. I know you in say and out. We want yeah, so like I'm not gonna tiptoe around you. Yes. I I really their, like their vibe. Their diner scene, I oh, it was great. The weirdest diner ever. Because it looked it was it looked like a seedy overnight diner that would be serving, like, pancakes on a greasy yes. table. But it was an Italian restaurant. They were ordering, like, carbonara. And, and I was like, is this a fancy Italian restaurant in a diner? Anyway. It was it was strange. I, maybe those are ubiquitous in London. I don't I, know. Yeah, maybe overnight diners don't serve waffles. They serve pasta. Yeah. I, really, I really liked the casting of all the present day people really well that it was yeah. great acting i would recommend this movie yeah I, I would too and i liked how it was shot mm-hmm. um and i liked the addition you asked you know if anything mm-hmm. was added or subtracted i felt like they added a lot more to what veronica and tony even were when they were young yes because in the book it was just like had a girlfriend she didn't sleep with me. Yeah, maybe my first love, but I didn't really... 
I'm not sure I even loved yeah, her. Yeah, like watching it play out helped clarify who this person was to him. Yes, and, and one other addition that the movie made was the photography. In the movie, Veronica, when he meets her, she's messing with a camera and she gives him his first camera. And then when when we first see old Tony, he is retired, but he has a Leica camera shop, yeah. which immediately endeared him to me because my grandfather loved Leica cameras and had many. And that opening scene yeah. with Tony was the best. When he had that <laughs> customer. Yeah. Remember? He has this customer come in and like trying to make small talk and he's just not there for it. He just stared at him so meanly, like, I hate talking to you. I hope that you leave. <laughs> and what the guy tried to say something, he's like, okay. <laughs> just like that, like, all right. Yeah. Moving on. Get out of my store. <laughs> yeah, I, I really like the additions. So this, I think, is a pretty successful movie for somebody who liked the book and did not like the book. Yeah, I thought so. We both liked it. The movie did some creative things with the filming. Mm-hmm. I liked the shots. I think... It reminded me of Wes Anderson, like minus the yes. whimsy and pastels, just the very symmetrical shots or like still shot of building person walks in from yes, the side. I was like, just going to say that a still shot and then one piece of movement. Like, yeah, right. like it just had a little bit of his choices, but mm-hmm. not the aesthetic. Right. And even the very first scene I really liked of just all of the schoolboys at Whatever. Assembly, you know, yeah. all of these uniformed boys and they all stand up at one time when someone walks in. I liked the choices. And mm-hmm. then there were lots of like callbacks to spaces like uh, the pub where the boys. Oh, yes. And then when they're older, they're in that same pub. And so there were not n- just same pub, same booth, yeah. same seat. There were lots of cool callbacks to spaces from the That's past true. and the present. That I thought were filmed in a cool way. And then I loved the filming of the computer scene where... Oh, I forgot! Yes! The old men are trying to look up someone on Facebook. Like, these are men in their, like, so 70s. Right, so it's shot where you see their faces and the back of the computer. And the back of the computer. And you can see just from their faces, like, what they must be discovering. And (laughs) watching them all try and help each other Facebook stalk somebody was hilarious. And it never changes perspective. It's always just the back of the computer and their faces, and that's the whole scene. And it was... Uh, there it was, was very charming. Overall, really good facial acting in this movie. Yes, the young Tony. Yes, um, who is in Dunkirk? That's Billy uh, Howell. Is I kept. Name. I looked it up. I was like, I know that face. It's from the movie Dunkirk, and also other things. If um, you're familiar with him, um, but he did a really good job mm-hmm. at being like very subtly awkward. Yes, like not overdoing it. Just wow, this person is uncomfortable. Yep. And just in a very subtle way, and he was very charming. Both Tonys were much more charming in the movie. A hundred percent on the page. Yes, they were much more likable. Yes, like they were actually funny, and I understood why anyone would want to be around them. In the book, I was like, it makes sense to me that you're alone. Yes, (laughs) and all that good acting, I think, is why I like it, and it works for me as an adaptation for somebody who liked the book. Because I am not the type of person that needs the movie to follow the book scene by scene, line for line. Yeah. But it needs to capture, like, the essence of the book. And because it's such a navel-gazing book, 
those long shots with just facial reactions and no dialogue, that to me is the tone of the book and yeah. how they captured it in a different medium. Yeah. And I really liked that. We, You did notice at some point you were like, this movie doesn't have a lot of dialogue. Nope. And, but I wasn't sitting there going, when are they going to say something? Like, it was engaging right. without having a lot of dialogue. And that's the other way they use the photography angle is they used photographs as a visual representation of memories yeah. and nostalgia that was more effective for a movie than it yeah. would have been in a book. Yeah, I don't know how you would have done, I'm, me I'm remembering fond memories, you know, we noticed too far into the movie that Joe Alwyn yes. was, uh, plays Adrian. Here's your chance to talk about Taylor Swift in this episode. I just hope you're doing well, Taylor. I'm so sorry about your breakup, and I'm also very glad you're no longer dating Maddie Healy. That was just a really unfortunate choice. Yes. Um, but yeah, um, little baby Joe Alwyn. Yes, he's very there. young. And we see him from a distance many times, which is why you and I didn't notice. And then we see him up close, and I was like, is that Hannah? Is that Joe? Yeah. You were like, I think it is. It took forever. And I wish all of you could have seen Stephanie's face when she was. <laughs> she was so excited. He was a little baby. He uh, did a very good job. I yeah, thought. he did. We saw him from a distance several times because Tony is like, only remembering Adrian in these tiny little snippets. And if you had not read the book, you might be going, okay, I know this guy is gonna like be important later, but what are, what are we gonna get to with this person? Cause it's just these tiny little snippets a couple of times. And the way they're cut is very abrupt. Mm -hmm. That was the one part, like you mentioned at the top, if we hadn't read the book, would we have understood? There were a couple scenes where I went, mm, I don't know if that would have translated mm -hmm. if I didn't know the book. It was usually the cut from present to past, and it was usually very quick and sharp. And so if I hadn't known what was going on, I might have been scratching my head. Yeah. Um, the first actor I noticed who was from something else was Nate the Great from Ted Lasso is the mailman. In... Oh, yes. Very small part. <laughs> yes. Um, but actually, like, a speaking part. Mm -hmm. Like, the mailman has, like, a little bit of a role in Tony's life. He does. And helps show Tony's character arc. So yes, he does. So that was fun to see Nate the Great, which brings in, there's a watch motif throughout Oh, yes. That's right. Along with the photos. Yeah. And so we first hear about it like the wearing the watch on the inside of your wrist they do that in the movie um, <laughs> when tony is on his first date with veronica and she asks like oh why is your watch inside and he goes like oh it must have just turned uh, like he plays it off like he did not mean to do it and then a couple scenes later we're seeing adrian meet the school guys for the first time back in time and he asks why are you wearing your watches like that and they're all like because it looks cool and because we're making a statement about time and it was really funny to see tony back then be like this is really cool and then a girl points it out he's like uh it was an accident if you don't like it i can change it do you yeah. want me to change it <laughs> it was pretty funny um and then when his daughter gives birth, he realizes that his watch has stopped. Yes. And his ex-wife, after all of this has taken place, gifts him a new watch at the very end. And that's one of the very last things that happens. Yes. It was a nice touch. Yeah. And so we talked a lot on our episode about how, like, time mm -hmm. and the passage of time and how you remember things and how they're different from whatever. And so 
putting in the watch in the movie in a subtle way. Like, I yes, thought it, it was, wasn't in your face. Yeah. Helped bring in that theme from the book in a way that might not have translated as well without just a little, like, motif there. Yeah, that was nice. Um, I noticed that Tony used suicide as a pickup line. Oh, yeah. Which I was... didn't love. Nope. Nope. Don't use suicide as a pickup line. Um, it was very weird. Yeah. And I that scene, it plays that scene where young Tony meets young Veronica many times. Yeah. And I think maybe that's part of why it felt like this one focused, the movie focused more on the present. Because a lot of the scenes you get of the past are recurring. Like, it's mm-hmm. not like you get new scenes every time. We replay. Yeah. Just like with memories, we, we replay those same memories over yeah. and over yeah, several of the past scenes you see three or four times. Yes, and that one specifically where he yeah. meets Veronica. And, you, yeah, what's the pickup line? Something about he's going to go kill himself later. Yeah, she... Like, what are you doing later? Yeah, what are you doing later? And he's, like, jumping off the bridge. You can't change my mind. I've already... My mind is made up. Yeah, it's like, real dumb. Something like that. And she falls under the bridge and comments on his watch. He doesn't end up killing himself, but... No, <laughs> but Adrian does. What do you think the point of the screaming kid in the restaurant was? Was it just to, like, (laughs) make you edgy? I don't know. So, right. So there's a scene where Tony is meeting up with Veronica. Old Tony. Yeah. Is it the first time they meet up? No. Because that's on a bridge. Yeah. So it's, like, the second. And, yeah, Tony is very on edge, and there's the screaming kid behind him. And so he turns around and, like, scolds them. What's he saying? The zoo is that way. Yeah, the zoo is that way. I guess to heighten the tension. Yeah. I mean, I was very uncomfortable and like I have anxiety and over like sensory overload. I yes. mean, I would be crashing in that situation where I'm nervous to see someone from my past. He's already realized that he was a douchebag about the letter. Like he's already freaking out and then this kid is like screaming. Mm-hmm. And not like a baby crying. It was like a 9-year-old. Yes. Like it was much. <laughs> It was too much, and we have kids. Yes. <laughs> um, I think it was a good way to heighten the tension. Yeah. Again, translating from book to screen, if you're in the book and you're in their head, you know the tension they're feeling. But yeah. how do you show that when it's just two people sitting in a coffee shop? Yeah, and, like, you could see him, like, get more, like, annoyed. Uh, mm, he, like, half turns around at some point, and then he's like, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do it. But it, then he does. Yeah, It. I think it was a choice to help it translate into film. It also cool. showed the balance of power between the two mm-hmm. because we haven't talked about Charlotte Rampling as old Veronica yet, but she does very well translating what does he call her? Iceberg? He calls her cold, yeah. Yeah, basically she is so he's obviously bothered by this kid and she is no expression the yeah. whole time. She does not change her face. It was a bunch of really good actors. It really was. Yeah, and I was kind of surprised because, like, I don't feel like the book is all that well-known. I don't feel like the movie adaptation of the book is all that well-known, and I've never even heard of this movie. But it had several, like, big British names. Yeah, it was a very good movie, especially if you like British movies, because it is very British. Yeah, it's very British. I think that's all the notes that I had on the book, but, yeah, I mean, I would like to hear how someone feels about it who hasn't read I would, too. I told Brandon I wanted him to watch it because he's never read the book yeah just to see if he caught anything or it struck him differently um we one other scene we haven't talked about is when he visits veronica's family yeah and the mother sarah 
Veronica's mother, is played by Emily Mortimer, which have you seen her in anything else? I Not that I know of. She's the voice of Sophie in Howl's Moving Castle. Okay. Which is all I could hear the whole time. And she's in the very first episode of Midsummer Murders, this British... Yeah. It's basically like British law and order, but without the order, just the law. <laughs> and it all takes place in the British countryside, not the city. <laughs> So it's nothing like Law and Order. <laughs> but she's in the very first episode, which is the only one to date I've ever figured out the plot because the whole plot was based on a Renaissance drama play called Tis Pity, She's a Whore. <laughs> it's about an incestuous um, brother or sister. And anyway, she was the sister. <laughs> and so the whole time we were watching this, that's all I could think of is like, man, you're going to sleep with this girl's boyfriend your daughter's boyfriend later because i've read this book and i know what happens she's a whore that's all i can think of (laughs) (laughs) or emily mortimer i'm sure she's a nice person she's probably played something other than a whore before i know not that you see any of that no um it's very that part is also very much like the book yeah in that it's only referred to and you kind of figure it out at the very end it's definitely not on the page at all no you do meet veronica's brother which i did not remember him at all from the book you meet him in the book okay he was insufferable yeah oh he was awful i believe he was insufferable in the book as well i when i thought about did this movie actually delete anything from the book i don't think it did not that i remember i feel like the other two classmates of tony alex and colin that made up the foursome with he and adrian were more minimized in this yeah you only really see them in a couple scenes when they're young and then that older man scene that we mentioned earlier the thing is even in the book though the younger stuff focuses a lot on adrian and not on them were you surprised at how little we actually saw of adrian a little bit but the book was kind of like that too of just like him remembering adrian but adrian not being there because we're only seeing adrian through his filter of memory yeah right he talks about the letter and he talks about their little foursome in school and he talks about going up to london that one weekend Mm -hmm. and then finding out that he died it's all the same stuff that was in the movie like he really wasn't in the book that much more that's true that's really all i have to say about it too yeah it was good I liked it. Go watch it. If you like British people and you like Wes Anderson and you like Joe Alwyn. Right. (laughs) Or Jim Broadbent. And you like just a chill movie. Yeah. It was a drama, but it wasn't like a heart-stopping. Yeah. Even the fact that his daughter gives birth, I was a little nervous about that. Mm. I was nervous that they were going to use it as some big drama beat toward the end where like something's wrong with the baby or she loses the baby and it makes him realize life is important. (laughs) Nothing like (laughs) that happens. Like she has a baby. It's filled with just as much drama as any baby having would then be. Then she walks out of the hospital like she's fine. Also, after a C-section. Yeah. Girlfriend's False. not walking. False. They make you, they wheel you out in a wheelchair no matter what, pretty much. No, yeah. But I was glad they didn't do that. It was just like, this is his life, this is a thing that happens, but it did have a nice, provide a nice ending for the movie. I think the last shot you see is of his daughter coming into his camera store mm-hmm. with her son, yeah. her baby. And that was nice. Yeah. I felt like it brought things full circle. Well, I really liked it. I Other people should go watch it, and you should tell us what you think about it. And if you feel really ambitious, you should read the book, too. <laughs>